Why do you love it so much? I think if you own your own business, you have to be prepared to take risks. Being a woman doesn't hold you back from achieving success. Yep, so if you're struggling, just stop and pause and, and really reflect on why am I struggling here. But I've also worked really hard and telling me it's luck, I think, just takes away some of that recognition of the hard work. One last question. Welcome to Tea with the Queen, a show where I talk with some of my favourite go-getters, inspiring and courageous women in leadership and business. I'm your host, Emma McQueen. I'm a business coach, executive coach, author and speaker. And for 20 years, I've been working with women to unlock their potential and get paid their worth while doing work they love. My guest today is a shining example for little girls everywhere who will be our future leaders. Michelle Markham has spent 16 years rising through the ranks of Microsoft. And today she's Asia Director Cloud Acquisition Digital Sales. Try saying that quickly. Still, not enough women work in STEM, that is science, technology, engineering and maths. But Michelle is proof that it's possible to forge a career and lead others along the way in a male-dominated industry. We discuss her ambitions, her journey to the top, her four kids, her faith and how she loves business trips. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on Tea with the Queen. I'm so excited to have you here. Me too. Tell us, how did someone from Humble Beginnings become Asia Director, Cloud Acquisition Digital Sales at Microsoft? What was your journey? Ah, it's a good question. And to be honest with you, it happened very slowly and then very quickly. Um, I actually did an IT degree back at university, much to my mother's disappointment. She wanted me to be a doctor. I did an IT degree, hated every second of it. It wasn't for me at all. Um, ended up in the IT department at Procter & Gamble where I met my husband. So that was uh, a good outcome. But loved Procter & Gamble, loved working there. And I used to travel around Asia as a graduate. It was amazing. But I quickly sort of evolved into marketing roles, digital marketing, when I worked for a digital agency. Microsoft was my client when I was on the agency side and I loved, loved, loved working with Microsoft. The people were just so kind and passionate and I loved the technology. And so I sort of had this vision that my goal was to, to go and work at Microsoft, which is what I did. So I got a job at Microsoft, had four kids, moved around a lot of roles at Microsoft uh, while I had lots of babies marketing roles, product manager roles, operations roles, partner roles, and then moved into a, a, a channel lead manager role. And then really quickly, once I got into sort of manager role and leadership role, progressed that into sales. And now I manage sales managers. So I'm a manager of managers. And so that that all happened sort of in the last uh, 18 months or so. So it's been pretty, it was pretty slow and then pretty quick, I would say. And I love that you just like glossed over. Just had kicked out a few kids, four. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, crazy. The juggle's so real, right? <laughs> I like stalking people's LinkedIn pages. And I think you can tell a lot about someone's LinkedIn profile. And one of the things I love about yours is what's written in the about section. I make things happen. I am a change champion. I am accountable and passionate about making an impact. They're just such bold statements. Tell me about those words. Yeah, I mean, I think people like to work with and 
and partner with people that are high energy, that get things done, that they can rely on, people that are activators and embrace change. And I feel like those are things that really embody me. But if I'm honest, the real me comes through a lot more in my very vulnerable posts on LinkedIn. I'm super public with my vulnerability. And so I think that sort of encapsulates the the me that you first meet, but I think the deeper me is is certainly down in my posts. I totally agree with that. I um, saw a few videos of yours when I was watching on LinkedIn and I love the vulnerability that you bring. And I think also it's brave. I think I told you that I gave you that feedback that I think it's really brave, um, some of the vulnerability. And what I love is that if people see your LinkedIn profile, they go, oh, wow, she must be a go-getter. And then when they see you, they see this another version almost like a 3d version of this is actually who michelle is versus just being the professional bit and i love that i love yeah, that. yeah i agree the tech scepter is known to be quite male-centric I f- well i feel like it is i don't know how you feel it is it's it true. is right 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 it is certainly a male-dominated environment even at microsoft you know it's about uh, a third uh women um, and we would certainly like that to be a higher number. But often when we go into, um, you know, partner organisations or customer organisations, we come with women in force and there'll often be more women on the Microsoft side than men and we certainly outnumber our customers and partners. I mean, I would say that it is evolving. Certainly when I started in the industry, the leadership qualities that I saw sort of rewarded and at the top, both from men and women, were those more masculine qualities, you know, really competitive, assertive, decisive, great, great traits. But there wasn't the balance that there is today around all of the things that I really love, which is the vulnerability and the creativity and collaboration and empathy and that bring humour and friendliness and just human qualities to everything as well. And I think we're moving way more towards that balance in both um, men and women in, in leadership roles, which is great. Well, thank goodness. It's kind of about time, right? Yeah. (laughs) So true. Otherwise, I wouldn't have a leadership role if we were still back there. I know, right? I mean, how do we encourage more women to step into STEM or tech? You know, how? what's your thoughts on it? Oh, gee, it's hard. I mean, I've got three daughters and a son, and my son is all about STEM. All of his electives are IT, and there's actually one called STEM, and, and he's all about it. He's Cody. He's on his all day, all day. I haven't had to do anything to encourage him. The girls, no interest whatsoever. And it's not that I brought them up any differently. It's just this inherent, they're just not interested. They'll play Minecraft where it's creative, totally get into that. And I think that's sort of the, you know, as I think about it, there's two things I think about around how we can encourage more women um, into STEM. One is that the, the is the culture of the organisations has to change. I want my daughters to see um, people at the top who they want to aspire to be like and cultures that they, that they feel more comfortable in, and I don't think we're there yet with that. And so I think there's an opportunity for organisations to really radically change their culture and the balance of, you know, those, those masculine and feminine traits at the top. And then I think there's this opportunity to get, you know, don't be too, I'm not too stressed that my girls aren't, you know, on their 
programming all day and they don't want to be coders but wherever they end up in in their next level of education or you know wherever they end up I want them to see a path into these amazing organizations that hopefully will be tech organizations so I have a very artistic 16 year old daughter I aspire that when she goes and does arts at uni or she does a a, some kind of course in art that she will be inspired by some tech organization that goes wow that woman is amazingly creative let's pull her into our organization how can we use her and she'll just sort of end up there in tech like I did through her own passions that's sort of that's sort of what I would be thinking and I go back to your original one of your opening statements which was I hated doing my tech degree (laughs) and I think how disciplined must you be to actually have hated that and to have continued to do it anyway. No, well, I, I used all my skills of charm and connection and let's just say there were some brilliant minds that wrote a lot of programming for me <laughs> on my <laughs> behalf. Collaboration at its best. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and, I mean, you've got, you just said you've got four kids. How old are your kids? Uh, 16, 14, double 12. 16, 14, double 12. It's like you just rattled that off. Oh, totally. Um, how, tell me. The juggle's real. Yes. Uh, the juggle is real when you've got a successful career, any career, right? How did you do the juggle while bringing up a house full of children? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I have an amazing husband. So he works just as tough a job as I do. And there is no medals given out to him for doing his fair share. We are equal partners in this. And we're really deliberate about what's the stuff you hate doing? I'll do that. What's the stuff you love doing? Go do that. And so getting and having constant conversations about where do we need to get more balance? Where are you doing too much and I need to lean in and vice versa? And so I think that home support is the number one thing for me. And then the second thing is I compartmentalise. Not That's not for every person. But when I am in the zone, I am not thinking about my children. If I'm travelling for work, I am not thinking about my children. I don't even call them when I travel. So I really compartmentalise. That helps me. You've got to let go of the guilt. I think we just have this constant shame and guilt about how much we're working and what we're not doing for our children. And I think just as long as you're deliberate about, you know, what are the deal breakers and, and where you need to be having balance, I think you're okay. And, and just honestly, how do you raise super independent kids that, don't need you there for everything and when you're there it's about that quality time yeah I love that because I think a lot of people feel like they have to spend a lot of time with their kids but then if it's not quality time kind of what's the point yeah so I know when Evie says mum like I was in between podcasts and she said mum can we play a game we're homeschooling at the moment in my mind I'm like I don't actually have time to play a game she's like just a quick game of tenzi I don't know if you know what Tenzi is, but you roll you roll ten dice. Each of you roll ten oh. dice and you pick a number and you get it and when you get it you yell Tenzi. I said, Yeah, I reckon we can play two games that before I have to get back to work, right? But I was engraced. I was sitting there, we were rolling the dice and I said, you know, we've got two games, let's do this. And I thought to myself, that's better. That five minutes that I spent just being present with her is better than me spending half an hour with her being on my phone, looking at my emails, etc., etc. And women especially need to stop beating themselves up for having successful careers, having a career at all. And I think that's easier said than done. I think yeah, that's hard for women. Yeah. It is. And the other tip I would have is I found being productive with those moments. So, for example, how do I say, hey, Kate, let's go on a walk. 
I'm going to get exercise. I need that. I need that space out there to clear my mind. But I'm also going to spend quality time talking to you because there's no distractions. How do we bake a cake together? I'm going to get a cake out of it that I need for to deliver to someone or whatever. But it's quality time that's also really useful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> I used to be I used to be extremely efficient. You know, like I wouldn't walk out of a room without empty hands and I would sort the and then I started tracking my steps. I'm like, this efficiency is actually not helping my steps. So then I started leaving things behind just to get my steps up, especially when we're in lockdown, right? So you need to get all the steps you can. Yeah. So sometimes efficiency doesn't work. No. That's <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I get it. I totally get it. And I feel like you've probably got a bit of a gift in being able to put it into different compartments. Yes. That's the key is the switch on, switch off button. And I'm also a person who never worries. Like worry is not a thing for me. I believe in God and so let let the worry with him. And that means that I'm able to focus on the moment. And that is the most freeing thing as a woman and as a parent and as a human that you can ever give yourself is that just for this five minutes where I'm playing tensies with my daughter, nothing else matters. I'm not even thinking about it. That's the most freeing thing. Yeah, and you touched on something really interesting, which, of course, I referenced a little while ago about being brave on LinkedIn. And you and I had a conversation about the fact that you're a Christian. And I'm curious about how that plays out for you in an organization like Microsoft, because I'm sure some people would have some kind of holy crap moment around how do I bring my whole self to work? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, 100%. I think for a long time I didn't talk about my faith because I didn't want to impose it on other people and more so I worried that they would assume things about me and judge me and and make assumptions about me based on the fact that I was a Christian. And then I just thought I'm not doing that about anybody else's belief system or, you know, I'm not doing that for anybody else. So why would I not bring the most important thing about me to work? And so I started to just talk about it and I got nothing but positivity back. Like it explains so much of who I am in terms of, you know, my biggest strengths are spirituality, forgiveness, hope, like gratitude, all these things that stem from my faith. I want to be able to talk about those things in context. And so, yeah, it's it's been incredibly freeing the last three years. I think that's been the biggest change for me to my confidence, honestly, is as soon as I started talking about the real core of me and what I really believe and what I really care about and realised that people accepted that and actually embraced that, then I just all the chains fell off and I could just take off every piece of armour I had and all the other bits of armour and the stories I was telling myself and everything just fell away and I just went, I'm just, it seems to work if I'm just myself, so I'm just going to go with it. And, yeah, it's been it's been really liberating and I think inspiring as well. Lots of women tell me that it's inspiring for them, which is amazing. Like, just me? What? I've got nothing. I'm nobody. I love that. Yeah, I love that. I think, and that was going to be my next question, actually, what's the response been to internal to Microsoft? But, you know, putting on a LinkedIn global platform, lots of people viewing it, et cetera, et cetera. What has the response been? Yeah, overwhelmingly positive. And more than anything, people just saying, you give me courage to tell my own story and be my own self and and you're proof that it, it only impacts your brand positively when you are truly vulnerable. I think a lot of people say, I'm so authentic, I'm so vulnerable. And they think that, you know, bringing their cat onto the screen is is vulnerability or, you know, 
their kids or whatever. But actually the, the vulnerability is where you really expose yourself to risk and, and hurt. And, and when you do that, that's true courage. And that's when you know you're in the arena and that's when things start to happen. And for me, it's been the most exciting is the more vulnerable I get, the more I expose myself to to risk and hurt and potentially emotional, just it's emotional exposure, right? The more I do that, the more I succeed in my career, in my personal life, everything. And so just, just keep getting in the arena. Do you know what I love? I mean, I have the privilege of journeying with you with our Thriving Women program with Microsoft, but we get to have one-on-one time together. And every time you like show up and you're like, right, what layers of this onion can we peel off? How can I be more vulnerable? What can I do? And I just, it's um, refreshing, but it's also you're staying true to yourself. And yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I, sit, I sit back and go, okay, what's my challenge for Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I always want one. But now the challenge is how do you, um, you know, when you're someone like me who's got to the really unfiltered stage, how do you then get deliberate with your brand as you as you go through, lead, you know, greater levels of leadership into when is it appropriate and useful and when is it too much information and not helpful to really, you know, I think that that discernment is the next piece to work on. <laughs> Ah, look what we've, we've already unpacked the next subject for our coaching. <laughs> I love it. That'll be fun. <laughs> Tell me, um, what what would you say it takes to have a successful career? Because people on the outside are looking at you and they're probably going, wow, that's amazing. What does it take to get there? Yeah, if I could go back to my 25-year-old self, I would say take way more risks, way, way more risks. Like you did not take enough risks in your career. You didn't ask for what you wanted early enough. You didn't, uh, you weren't deliberate about your brand. The risks though, like I should have taken more risks, tried out more things. I wish I had been more confident in what I was capable of. I think that we just massively underestimate, especially as women, our own capability and awesomeness. Like I guarantee everyone listening to this, you are so much more awesome and capable and able to achieve way more than you think you can. And so I think that would be the second thing is take more risks. You're more awesome than you think you are. So step up to the table. Don't sit in the back of the room, sit at the front of the room, put your hand up, like be visible. And then the third thing is this living in the moment. Like don't worry about the future. Don't worry about the next job. You don't need to have a five-year plan. Just say yes to everything. Take more risks. Be deliberate about your brand and what you want to be known for. And then just live every day in the moment of embracing all of it. Mm, that's lovely. I think it's the advice is simple, but I'm not sure it's easy. <laughs> mm, yes, right? 100%. <laughs> Yes. And it's also, I think, when you're thinking about your personal brand and thinking about, you know, how you show up, for me, it's really about consistency. Yeah. Mm, So showing up and even if things are hard, still showing up. And even if things are hard, telling people that they're hard. You know, I've got a beautiful set of clients who um, over the last week we have had a little puppy dog that we've had to put down. And that's been excruciating for us. But my clients have been just so wonderful in that. And as we put him to sleep last night, I was sitting there thinking how lucky and grateful I am that I show up the way that I do, which means my clients see and feel the things that aren't exactly a professional 
you know, edge. And I've got one client in particular who is amazing. She's another one of my corporate clients. And she texts me this morning. She's like, how are you feeling? How are the kids? You know, how you, I'm just thinking about you. And I ran a workshop for her last week. And as I was running the workshop, I had Ollie, our Maltese, in my arms because we couldn't get him to settle. He had a brain tumor and he lost his sight in the last week. Oh, sorry. Oh, thank you. But, you know, I was holding him while I was running this workshop and I thought, hmm. in my brain, I kind of went, hmm. Is it on brand? And then I went, you know what? It's so on brand, it's ridiculous. Like there's not very many people that you can, you know, rock up. I'm lucky because I have my own gig. But also that a client goes, I get it. I totally get it. She's got a dog. It's sick. It's with us. <laughs> and it's you know? so relatable, right? Like, you, yeah, yeah I, I get really tired of the, the perfect women who seem to have their lives together always on stage. And I'm like, bring out the real women who are struggling like I am and tell stories about your failures and, you know, I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, let us have I mean, I also ran a workshop earlier. He got a bit confused. So on Monday of this week I was running another workshop and I've got a tech setup going on so I've got a light and bits and pieces. And because he couldn't see, he was behind the desk and then the whole light, the whole system came crashing down mid-workshop and I was like, no! Anyway, and uh, so my husband came in and he sorted it out and pulled him out. But I was just like, could anything else go wrong? And a workshop three weeks ago, Michelle, I'm in the middle of a workshop with another corporate client. And then the earthquake struck. Oh, awesome. (laughs) It was awesome. And it was recorded. And I just sat there kind of going, is that just my husband working in the garage or is that something bigger? Anyway, on the recording, someone said, oh, the recording's amazing because it's real-time earthquake. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So I had to watch it and it was me kind of going, what, 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 what? And then everyone else going, I think that was an earthquake. Hmm, I, th- I think I have to go check. So fascinating. But you know what? Stuff happens. Yes, I love that. And I think that's what's been the benefit of COVID is just we all just got more real. Yes. Quickly, which is great. Well, well, how many of the we get beamed into people's offices, we get beamed into people's bedrooms, we get I've been beamed into people's wardrobes, you know, like you're right just, behind us me now. <laughs> Lucky no one can see this. <laughs> I know, right? My husband's towels on the on the cupboard door, whatever. <laughs> Tell me, before COVID, um, you would have done a lot of travelling for work. Yes. You're missing it? Is it yes. something you loved? Yes. <laughs> That's been the biggest devastation for me. You know, as a mum of four, travel is my currency. Like that's my favourite thing to do in the world and now that's gone. And I don't think it will ever come back to the same degree and and I really miss it. I really miss it. The reason I miss it is because when I travel, I'm not a mum, I'm not a wife, I'm Michelle. It's the only time I'm truly 100% just Michelle, which is why I don't call my kids when I travel, which I know is horrifying to most people. But it is my break from all of the stuff that is constantly people constantly needing me and I get to just be selfish just for a minute. And I absolutely love it. I really miss it. That's the thing, the, the biggest downside of this whole thing is that I want to get on a plane. What are you going to do if you don't get back? Will you? Is there another way to get that without travelling? Yeah, I've been thinking about that. Like my kids are sort of old enough now where, where I could say, you know, for a week a year, and I know Bill Gates used to do this all the time, did you know this? He would just pack a whole lot of books and for like once a quarter he would just take all his 50 books to a little cottage and sit there and read for a week. And I'm thinking my kids are almost at the age where I could at least for a weekend say, mum's out, I'm out. 
I'm gone. I don't exist to you. And the stuff that I was getting from the travel was pure just just um, break from my life. There's nothing stopping me except guilt doing it. Why? Why have you got guilt? Because how dare I do something for me? Like self-care? It's called, it's called me time. That's the bit that I just cannot get, my head cannot wrap around. I cannot be still. I cannot model rest of my kids. I can't stop. I must be proving how much I'm doing for other people all the time. It's a, re- it's a, the struggle is real. Oof, that's not a gift. No, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, man, there's so much material for our next question. Right? <laughs> awesome. I love it. it. I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, you have achieved so much. You've had lots of different roles at Microsoft. You've been there a long time. You've said you don't plan for your career for the next, you know, five years, but but what does it look like next? What's next? Yeah, and I never thought I, thought I would say this because I'm not a feminist at all. Like I've, I've never really been really passionate about women's stuff, but I am getting that way. Like I've just in the last couple of years just started really realising that I have the potential to have a huge impact on unlocking talent and potential for women. And when I talk to women, you know, about all of the struggles that we all face around confidence and things like that, I see a massive opportunity to have an impact there and like I want to get much deeper into that. And so I think I, I sort of now starting to think if if I think about my next 15 years, by the end of it I'll probably be in a completely different sphere doing something completely different, but it will certainly be around women and unlocking potential for, you know, with them definitely something around that. that that's where my real heart lies at the moment. And won't they be lucky? You know, oh, like you're so sweet. Well, I think you, I think you're amazing with women. Now I know some of the background and some of you know I know people just pick your brain all the time, yes. <laughs> and that you're very generous with that. And I think that's only going to get bigger and better the more that people know about your personal brand and know about you bringing your whole self in to work because you know in the 80s it was like you leave your baggage at the door it's all about work and then it kind of swung the other way (laughs) there's a bit too much information (laughs) and now it's kind of swung back and we're somewhere in the middle but I think anyone who gets mentored by you or coached by you or has at least the blessing of knowing you is actually really they're gonna really benefit from that and I my mind is ticking I'm like how do we dial this baby up (laughs) I love it. Yeah, it's it's it is. It's really interesting because I never thought that would be something that I would be you know interested in. But there's just so much potential out there. Like I want to be part of it. Like imagine if we could unlock the potential of you know. I look at my daughters and what they're capable of, but is going to hold them back, knowing all of the stuff that gets in our way. I just want to help women push all that aside and and be amazing. What they do, what they're capable of doing. Oh man. So exciting. So exciting. Thank, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us on this podcast. It's been amazing for me to hear all the little elements and bits and pieces. And um, I always learn something new from you every time I speak to you, even when we're in coaching together. I'm like, whoa, that's cool. So oh, thank you so awesome. much. <laughs> thank you. And it's, yeah, thank you for your coaching. Like seriously, some of the the nuggets that I've got from our sessions together have just been so life-changing, particularly the monkeys. Like if you haven't read 
the monkey book, which is called The One Minute Manager Meets the Monkey, best book on earth. You (laughs) must, must, must get hold of that. Change my life. Oh, thank you, Michelle. You're awesome. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Tea with the Queen. If you love this episode, let me know. I would love to hear from you. And you're very welcome to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to contact me directly, all my details are at my website, emmamcqueen.com.au. I look forward to your company next episode. I'm Emma McQueen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>